Welcome to Do It For The Gram and Enneagram Podcast with your host, Certified Enneagram Coach Milton Stewart, where we do it for the Enneagram, not Instagram. We make moves to improve our community and those in our community. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? We're going to go ahead and jump in with something that I definitely had to grow in when I went to Egypt on a trip with about 20-ish people led by Russ Hudson and um, Denise Hoke. So one of the big things uh, that really hit me that I had to really, really, really work on was my uh, was my dominant instinct, good old self-preservation. You know what's fascinating is that self-preservation doesn't play well in groups. I don't know if you've all ever experienced that for um, self-pres dominant types. It doesn't play very well in groups. So in Egypt, at the very beginning, like we're we're starting to do like some group activities and doing things. And I just notice how annoyed I'm starting to get with certain things, right? How annoyed I'm starting to get with like people feeling like they're invading my space or people trying to tell me what to do. Like the group's going to do this. And I'm like, well, the group can do that, but Milton's going to do this, right? There's this energy where I was just, I was getting frustrated, annoyed. My self-preservation instinct was like, Psh. And it was like, no, we're going to go do this. And then we'll um, take some time to go eat. And I just remember it coming out. We're taking tours of like temples and all these different places. And people want to keep going someplace. But I'm like, but I'm hungry. And now I'm about to have an attitude because I'm not getting the things the way I want them. Right. So if you put sevenness and you stack it on top with self-preservation as the dominant instinct that shows up, you have a person who really wants to do what they want to do, how they want to do it, when they want to do it. Well, um, and how the, everything, right? It's all about what I want to do <laughs> in the situation. And I'm like, y'all adults, you take care of yourself. I take care of myself, right? But here's the thing. You're in a group and you're traveling throughout a country that you don't even really know. So how in the world are you going to be so all about yourself doing this thing, right? So the instinct had me in some type of way, like the very first couple of days, probably first two or three days, I'm feeling some type of way because I'm like, we got to meet here. People don't show up when they should show up or they don't. I'm doing all this little stuff, right? This little little, little mental instinct, petty stuff, or like they want us to meet here, but I'm tired. I want to do this. I don't want to, you know, all this kind of stuff. Just so much, right? It's just mental exhaustion, right? And then at the same time, being self-preservation, part of me is like, if I I don't know most of y'all that well, I don't want to get to know you. Back up. You asking too much of personal questions. Back up. Give me space. I'm just here to, to you know, enjoy myself and a few people I already know here. And then we can go around and do what we want. That's literally my self-preservation was tripping. And like, you know, but at the time, you know, you don't realize that when your instinct is tripping in a group, you're just kind of like, nah, I'm fine. <laughs> like, it's these folks' problem. It's all these folks, all this stuff, right? You feel like you're just doing it right and they're all doing it wrong or something, right? So... I do appreciate Russ Hudson on this trip because, oh my goodness, he would definitely bring it up. Uh, he would say, <laughs> I'm not going to say exactly what the stuff somebody said, but he would talk about just how letting um, your instinct junk uh, get in the way of the experience of what's happening here with the whole group and stuff. And he would allude to that because I'd be on the bus saying something like, I'm hungry. You know, it's like every once in a while we might be going like four, five places in a row without eating or something. And I'd be like, oh, mm, we're going to have some problems. Um, so, so it's just it's just fascinating. But I, I bring that up for this purpose. Some of the work 
that we do and some of the deepest work that we'll do if you're a person who is going on this deeper journey of your inner work has to be done in groups. It has to. Because there's a part of the work, a part of humanity that deals with the element of community, right? If you're truly going to grow and do the inner work on all these levels, right? You can do all that personal inner work that you want. You're going to be missing a whole lot if you don't do the community work. You're missing probably one of the more important parts of it, right? In order to do the community work, yes, you need to be doing the personal work by yourself too because you can't just not do that and think I can just all do it in community. No, it don't work that way either. But there's a part of the inner work that can only, only be done in community and in groups because part of you has to, I use the word in Egypt, submit. That's what I use because that's what I needed to do. Um, submit or relax, there may be another word, those instincts, right? For me, I had to submit, in my opinion, to my social instinct leading the way in the group. And so what that meant, I had to dial down everything being about me and how I wanted it. I had to pull that back. And I remember when I when I hit that, when it, it hit me, I was in my hotel room and it made me cry because, but before I cried, I like, I said a whole bunch of crazy stuff. Like I was like really frustrated. I was like venting, whining, complaining, all of all this stuff, right? Because they weren't doing things the way I wanted them to be done, how I wanted to do it and what I wanted to do, right? So I did a lot, of, I did a lot of venting, complaining, whining, all the kind of stuff as I'm working through this because I'm looking at the schedule and like, I don't want to do that, but I want to do this and I want to go there when we go here, but now I got to go here because these people, you know, all the type of stuff. Once I got that junk out, once I complained, I got all my self-preservation frustrations out. You know, I, I took a deep breath and it really hit me just how like my instinct had pulled me away from being in the moment with people in a whole different country and with a group of people. Like it, it, it took away from my ability to connect and to love and to be with other people. And that hit me like a ton of bricks because I experienced it. I didn't just think it in my head like, oh, you know, I didn't conceptually bring it up. Like it was just a thing, but I felt it in me and it hit me and it actually made me cry. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not the best crier. If you've heard any of my other episodes, I, I don't cry very well. Um, I cry much better than I used to, let's be honest. But it, 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 made me, it made me shed tears because I had seen just how strong the force of the dominant instinct had on me. I wasn't choosing to do that. It was so instinctual. I've been so intertwined with that self-preservation instinct in some unconscious ways that I didn't even notice that it separated me from being present and being with people. And I was like, God dang it, right? So I was like, uh. So I decided before I went to dinner, which I had a great dinner with both Dr. E's, if you know who they are, most of you probably don't, uh, but they're great mentors, Dr. E, Dr. Egerton. Um, no Justice, No Peace is her book, K-N-O-W, No We ate dinner that night and I had talked to them about it because I was like, I had came up after I got the self-preservation frustrations out, I said, I'm going to submit to my social instinct and really make my time and my energy here about making sure I serve the group instead of just serving me because, man, I am good at that. But I said, let me just serve the group and um, just see what happens and take it as a challenge for inner work for me. And so I said, I can do this. So um, I submitted to doing that and it it, it ended up going Pretty doggone well. It, it surprised me, shocked me, and it was beautiful at the same time because 
I, I mean, I really went full force into making sure people on the whole trip had what they need, uh, making sure our tour guides had what they need, jumping in when I could help, uh, being a support role when someone needed it, which is obviously, you know, so much is happening when we're there. Everybody needs support at different parts. But I was making sure I was physically supporting, I was emotionally supporting, and I was mentally and thoughtfully supporting uh, as much as I could, right? And sometimes just being present as a spiritual presence, you know, connected to the vessel, just being present, right, with a person. So I was doing that, but I was actively doing it, right? It wasn't from ego. I was consciously choosing to do that. And it was such a blessing to the group and to me. And what I didn't realize over the time of me giving myself over to submitting my, to my social instinct or submitting to the community, to the group and being a part of them and not being such an external part of myself or individualistic, I was able through that to not only help and heal people but and to connect with people, but I was honored as well. That was the thing that really got me, that really hit me really strong and I'm so thankful for it. Because I got to see what happens in a group. If I can honor the group, despite my ego, it is a beautiful thing because now, especially being self-preservation dominant, because now I, in turn, am honored by the group now because of the work, the love, the conscious effort I'm putting in to making sure people have uh, what they need and that we're okay. And so it shifted me in such a, a dramatic way that it really hit me on multiple levels that, wow. And it helped me to see more plain and more clearly that, you know, when we can allow a balance of our instincts, but when we submit to community or group in a way that we're going to say, hey, I'm going in here to try to make sure this community, this group is going to have the best it can have as a group, it changes and shifts things inside of self. And the whole group. And you get something back from it. That's the crazy part about it for me, specifically in my type structure, right? So what I want to do in this episode is also talk about the other instincts and what happens in groups and maybe what could be something beneficial that each, if you're dominant in a certain center, what could be very helpful for you while you're participating in a group? Because I've seen it all where we all get lost some way in a group. Right. Even if you're a social dominant, right, in groups, you can get lost in your ego and being a part of the group and miss out on things. It's me again in another one of those funny commercials to remind you that the Kaizen Community Enneagram program is having open sessions. I do two cohorts a year. In this program, you will feel heard, seen, and connected. You will leave the program with way more knowledge, a deeper level of growth, and some lifelong friends. To sign up and learn more, go to kaizen-enneagram-community.mn.co or see the show notes or the Instagram bio link tree. All right, back to the episode. As I kind of mentioned, I'll start with self-preservation. One of the things about self-preservation, we are so into ourselves and making sure we have what we need and maybe a little bit of people around us, maybe, you know, if we're real close, that we don't ex we don't express and connect with 
everyone in the group, but at least make a, a, a effort or a connection, right? We'll stay kind of closed. I would stay to ourselves, stay in our own spot, maybe get our own seat, our own table. And we usually like to be there at the same time with the same people. And we're feeling good because we have a good conversation and we feel comfortable in that way. And, and not truly contributing to the group in a way that is community uh, connected, right? It's like I connect to a couple of these people and I say I'm in this group, but we don't really connect to all the people or at least make a good effort to make a light connection or some connection with them. So for self-preservation dominant types in groups, being able to submit to the social instinct in the sense that, hey, I am going to reach out to at least a couple of people, do at least a greeting, push myself to say, hey, how you doing? Uh, what's going on? How's your day? And see if I can build a connection with people over time because it's you, you'll be shocked how many things you actually have in common when you actually have a conversation and you become really curious about a person. You, you, you'll be shocked. Even the people that you feel annoy you or you're in opposition with. Because the people in Egypt, I mean, it wasn't like people didn't annoy me on the trip. That's That'd be a lie. I'm pretty sure I annoyed some people too, for sure. So, you know, but even with those people, there was still this conscious effort to say, let me go at least have a conversation. Because one of the people that I was the most annoyed by at the beginning of the trip turned out to be one of the most fascinating people in the knowledge they had in, in a certain topic at the end of the trip. And I was extremely fascinated and learned a lot from them. But I never would have learned that though. I never would because I never would have listened if I had not submitted to the social instinct for me, but relaxed my self-preservation instinct, right? So that I can be better in the group. I would have never had that. We, and we had a real conversation where I expressed that I'm kind of annoyed when you do this. I don't like when you do this, right? As a black man, I feel this way when you ask this question, right? We had a real conversation and it didn't blow up into anything. It was just a real conversation, right? And it's something that I really had to work on and work through. All right. So that's important to note for self-preservation dominant types, okay? If you are, I'm going to say social for last simply because we're talking about groups. If you are sexual dominant and you're in groups, here's what to be careful of. Sometimes what happens with sexual dominant types, because the intimacy thing is a big deal with them being with a certain person, uh, what happens is they may spend all of their time with one person that they're really into. And they're not really a part of the group or the community. They're like, yeah, I'm here, but I'm really here with this person. This is who. And so they kind of they kind of orient or orbit around that one person the whole time. And they don't really get to know anybody else that well, maybe a little bit, but they don't really orbit. They just orbit around that one person. And so everything becomes about what me and that one person are doing, right? Instead of venturing out a little bit more and speaking to other people and getting to know them a little better and to, to share more of yourself with a little bit more pockets of people to a degree, right? And so that's where it gets tricky because that the, the sexual dominant type or intimate dominant type, <laughs> they'll find that one person, maybe two every once in a while, and then they won't really talk to anyone else or build in relationships with anyone else in the whole community. So it defeats the purpose of a community. You're just looking at a relation, one like one or two relationships. And also what happens when sexual dominant types spend too much time with only one person within the group, they can become possessive of that person. And so anytime that person wants to contact or be in a group or talk to other people or another person, now you kind of feel weird and don't know what to do or feel maybe jealous to a degree or left out when it's a community and it's a group. So you can share more of your time with other people. So can they, whoever you're really interested in, um, because you're going to get a variety of wonderful experiences, you know, 
So that's going to be very important too, because sexual types do have to watch out for that, right? Uh, <laughs> the the possessiveness of like this is my friend that they're talking to me or whatever, and also the whole feeling of switching between one or two. This is the other part that's tricky. That you have to watch out for. Sexual types may switch between one or two people that they feel really. Uh, energized with and then still not talk to other people, but then maybe even those one or two people feel some type of way about each other because now this the, the sexual dumb type is spending so much time with this person and not this one at this time or they're sitting with this person. So how you deal with that is that you relax some of that sexual instinct and you speak to more people more commonly and you make connections with more people in general so you don't make this overly fused, strong connection that can be very actually toxic to the group as a whole because now you've created like a click in a way. You've actually created kind of a click within a click or a group. And that's always weird when it's like that. That's the click inside the group, right? Uh, even though there's people closer than others, there's a way that it becomes more about, oh, us and then them, right? When it should be all of us, right? It should be we. So that is something to watch out for with sexual dominant types, because that is definitely a thing, okay? So relaxing that sexual instinct, using your energy to engage more people, right? Broadening broaden your connection to other people, right? And it won't be as strong, and it is a stretch, but remembering that everyone's a part of the group, and so are you, okay? So let's connect to them as best as we can. Next, social dominant instincts in groups. Ooh. Now, this one is fascinating, right? Because they're already thinking about the group, right? So for you, it's actually inverse of what you need to work on to a degree. So <laughs> because you're already thinking about the whole group and a lot of times social types who are dominant know how to go make contact with this person, contact with this person, contact with this person, contact with this person, right? But sometimes all of that contact, next person, next person, next person, you sometimes can miss the intimacy of diving deeper with different people at a time because it becomes so much about... This person, this person, this person, that person. Let me make sure I make sure connection here, connection here. So it's like overdoing that part and not maybe settling in a little bit sometimes to have a more deeper one-on-one conversation with some people, right? A little bit more intimacy with more people, okay? So it doesn't just become a, a social thing that has no weight to it or gravity or real connection, right? Because that'll that's what'll happen, you know, a social type, you'll be talking to them and then the person that they'll see someone else they want to connect to, they'll connect to them and they'll kind of cut a conversation off. And the person that they cut the conversation off feels like, wow, they just totally up and left me. Like, I'm not even important. Oh my goodness, just go talk to such and such. So being able to navigate that space where you do take time to go a little bit deeper in conversation with some people at a time is actually very helpful. And this will depend on your instinctual stack or how they show up for you, however you want to say it. It'll, it'll depend on that uh, as well. Because for some, it, you know, it will show up. But the buzziness of, the, of being in a group for the social instinct, they have to be very careful because it comes more about the group. Oh, hey, who that? That. Let me meet this person. Let me meet this person. And it doesn't necessarily become like a more rich, interesting, deeper conversation. Just more like, oh, let's make a quick connection and keep it moving, right? So it's noticing that part of you so that you can relax that part that's overly buzzy about being in like a group social setting so that you can make a stronger connection with other people within the group, right? And, and not so many people. Maybe it's, you know, you're going to already naturally connect to a lot of people, but which ones can you take a little deeper, right? And then the other part for the social dominant type when it comes to groups 
is the ability to ignore how you are feeling and what's going on inside with you. Wearing yourself out, being a part of this group. You're here. You're there. You're talking to them. You got the spice. You got them laughing. You got them joking. You've connected. Oh my goodness, look at this. Wow, wow. You're doing all this stuff. And you are burning energy left and right. And you don't even, sometimes, sometimes, don't even recognize how tired you really are until the event is over and you realize you are drained and exhausted. And now, the next day or the next time you meet the group, or if you're still there, you might be extra frustrated with people. So now you go from, hey, to like, get out of my face. I'm tired. I'm, you know, you're annoying me because you're not checking in with yourself. So that self-preservation says, says, ooh, I know we're part of a group. And I know we have a certain way of doing things. There's decorum and there's rules and people see you a certain way. But at this moment, I got to take care of me if I'm going to operate and show up my best, right? So maybe I need to take a shortcut and maybe I need to, you know, I'm a seven. So I, maybe I need to bend or break or go over or under these rules because I need something to eat right now. Or I need to go take a rest right now. They're doing this little social thing, but my body's tired and I really need to just calm it down. I need to sit in this corner. Maybe people can come to me and we can talk, but I'm not going to be able to just go out to everyone and do my thing, right? Because my body is telling me that I have needs right now and I need to honor that. So this is very important to note, to, to understand what's happening when we get in groups, because these things all show up when we get in groups. It's fascinating, right? That's why I said there's certain work you can only do in groups because it's certain things that only come up when you have sets of people, right? Because we all notice, if you just, next time you're being a part of a group, just notice what feelings come up for you, right? Notice what you look for when you walk in the room. Notice how you engage or don't engage or where you go and who you find. These are uh, levels and pieces of awareness that are important to start to understand because it says a lot about ourselves, how we see the world, um, how we see reality, and areas that we need to do inner work on, right? And group work, obviously, on as well. So it's... It's very important to note that. And uh, as far as when these instincts are repressed as well, that's a whole different look too. Obviously, if you are a person who your instinct, uh, your social dominant, I mean, I'm sorry, your socially repressed instinct, yeah, your repressed instinct is social. <laughs> if that's the case, then obviously that is something to definitely <laughs> uh, be aware of because it can be a rejection of a group. Anytime you see group settings or certain groups, organization, there's an automatic distrust in the body um, because of you know real life things that happen. But recognizing that, guess what? These groups are made up of these things called people and humans. And one human by themselves struggle to do stuff. So if a lot of humans get together, they're still going to struggle to do stuff, even if they're trying to do it for a good cause or a good reason, just because they're human. But the, the, the gift of putting ourselves and being a part of groups give us the capacity to do a whole lot more than one or two people can do by themselves. So that's one of the gifts of it, right? It's a trade-off. It's a part of life. You can't have one without the other. So socially repressed instinct types be very aware that your your opinion, your energy, your thoughts, they do matter and you're important and you should be a part of some group, okay? And then 
Self-prayers repressed, kind of talked about that before. Making sure in groups that you just take care of yourself. Like even if you have to come into the room or the space with the group with water in your hand and a snack in your pocket or something because you know you can get lost in conversation, but having stuff to nourish you, rather that's maybe like good shoes that are actually good for your feet, maybe that's clothes that are comfortable in this situation, maybe you need to be in a chair, maybe you need to leave the room, maybe you need to rest and not go to that event. Noticing all of those things as someone who maybe self-pressed, repressed is very important uh, when it comes to dealing with groups and social environments, okay? Because you got to take care of yourself or you know the ego would take control and that social instinct can do a whole lot of different things, right? It can try to run the thing. It can get frustrated and become controlling of a situation, a social situation. It can do a lot. So just be very, very aware of that, okay? And then if you're sexual repressed in a group, you know, the practice is for to find someone in the community or the group and try to see if you can have a one-on-one conversation for a little bit longer, right? Can you hold it on? Can you stay curious enough to ask questions and allow someone to kind of maybe get to know you a little bit, you get to know them a little bit, and just pushing yourself just a little bit inside of groups, right? That's one. And then maybe someone else, right? And try to find something very intriguing that keeps you stimulated. Um, but also look to share something of yourself that will engage them in a little bit more conversation, right? Because that's a big deal. So I just wanted to share those things because it was so big for me in Egypt to relax my dominant instinct of self-preservation and for me specifically to submit to my social instinct and allow it to allow me to honor the group in a way that really was, I don't know, loving, that was connecting, right? And so it's a lot of work for me. I has I toiled some nights in my hotel room over some stuff. I'm like, ugh, you know, but it's a lot of work for me. And there's a connection that I have with those people that I have very few in this world, right? There's experiences we had that can't be duplicated and also cannot be explained to people. You have to be there to experience it. So for everyone, when you are in groups, start working on that a level of awareness of what's happening to you when you're in a group. And please, based on kind of what I said before, I challenge you and encourage you to give them a shot so that you show up better for the community and you show up better for yourself as well. Okay. So if you feel any of these challenges uh, when you step into a group, take a deep breath, make a wise choice and do it for the gram, the Enneagram, of course. Also, by the time this episode come out, the IA conference probably will not have gone on. But if you would still like to sign up, signups are available. Um, IEA2023.com. You can go there and it's also in the show notes and uh, sign up virtually or in person. I will be there if you want to see me. Uh, send me something on IG. Hit me up on a message and uh, we'll see if we can at least say hi or maybe even get something to drink or, you know, all those cool things. So I just thank you for listening. Uh, have a wonderful rest of your day and I'll see you. Bye bye.